Hi everyone, this is Gilad. This is Nathan. And we are here at Bike Banther, here with you once a week, every Thursday. Please join us for some fun bike talk. This. We're doing this. It's happening. We're recording. It's recording. Okay. All right, I'm going to do a little bit of um, hello everyone. <sighs> it's Wednesday for us, Thursday for <laughs> you guys. Uh, actually, it's our fourth time recording today, but I do have a great opening. So we brought in an athlete. And the reason she is here, and we're going to obviously give you who she is in a second, is I am very interested in how we get there. So the reason she's here is she's going to tell us a lot about how she got there, why she found it interesting, what's the phases of becoming a professional athlete, and everyone has a different path, just like the path to being a cyclist or riding bikes is a different path for everyone. And so, Nathan, please, please introduce the guest. All right. Introduce the guest. So this <laughs> podcast, we have Heather Lapana here with us. Whoop and whoop. she has um, a very accomplished history of bike racing, mostly road racing. So we're going to dig into that. And uh, all right, Heather. Heather, hello. He- here's the question. The first question, right? I have this deja vu thing going on right now because we've recorded this. <laughs> this is the fourth time we've recorded this. But and but um, I want to pinpoint the question. So ask the question and then we'll yeah, say Yeah, okay. It, you uh, want to go on, hone in. Okay, so the yeah. question is, deja vu. question is, when in your life was the first time that you realized that you were a diehard cyclist, that, that bikes were in your blood, that they were always going to be a part of your life? When was that time that it was in there? And don't answer yet because okay. I've heard the answer three times. <laughs> You're right. I'm, go- I'm going to have a different spin. I have a different spin. No, this time. but here's the important part on this time because now I'm concentrated because we're recording and everything is working. Um, Are you sure? Y- yes. I'm Are you sure? sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um, so the question is not when you found out you really enjoy biking, but the first time that you figure out, oh, her dog has to poop. All right, after you answer this, okay. you take the book, the book, the book, the book poop. Okay. Uh, outside. Or you want to do it now? No, she, do it now? I mean, she can wait. Like two minutes. Okay, two I minutes. Mean, did you do like an eye language kind of thing? <coughs> when like she whines at the door, that's oh, what that's it means. That's, that's the only time she does sure. that. Okay. okay. So we have a dog here too. She's not part of the podcast. She's five she months is, old. Yes. She is a part of the podcast. Very sweet She's dog. part of the podcast, but she doesn't have her <laughs> own she mic. She has her own needs. She doesn't have a mic, she but she doesn't care about our needs. And she just thinks we're wasting time, which she could be right. She's true. She's true. So the question is, <laughs> when is the, the first time you decided that you are a cyclist? That means you want to do that as a sport, that you need to have the tights and the whole <laughs> gear. Like, it's oh, not we about... Gotta go, okay. We got to do the way back, though. We got to do, like, the origins. No, but the origin, everyone has the origin. Like, my dad let me go, and I remember the first time I rode my bike to school. True. And, That's and true. It's like, when did you become, like, from I can ride a bike to, like, I need to do this as a sport? That's the question. That's the interesting part. We're going to stop and then come back. So, and magically, we're back. <laughs> we never left. Magically. <laughs> no, actually. correct. We were there was no here. doggy bathroom break that happened. No, <laughs> no time has passed for all of you. <laughs> so right the question, there. remember it? How did I know when I was a racer? No, not a racer, but just when did you know that you're now part of the cycling world? Was it an event or was it a slow like, thing that you slowly became like into cycling? Because obviously, well... Part of the cycling world or a cyclist that just... Cyclist, like someone who wants to ride bikes as a, as a thing. You know, 
I could try to come up with something that sounds really awesome, but I keep coming back to like the 2060 fire road. (laughs) Okay. Um, that's an Ashland road, Ashland road, Ashland fire road. You Mm -hmm. climb, you can climb up that or you can climb up single track and I would just try to bury myself and ride up the road. And it was, um, I don't know. There was something addicting about it. And, uh, I just I did that every single day, basically. Oh, like every day, every day. Wow. Every single day. And how old were you when you were doing that every single day up <laughs> the gravel road? <laughs> um, and you did the whole loop. I didn't do the twenty-six mile loop. Like at first, I started. I go up to White Rabbit. Okay. Then I go to Toothpick. Then I go to Four Corners. Then I started doing the loop. Then I started going up the West Side. And I, um, I don't know. I just rode by myself a lot. I never. Okay. I don't wait for people. I, it was, yeah, it was, I was 22, did I say? 20? I, I might have been yeah. 21. They yeah. never heard how old you were because this is the first time this we're recording it. <laughs> for the fourth time? Yes. I know. <laughs> we really should go back to the creation story. So now, story. now yeah. God. Cycling, right? Well, yeah. I mean, let's but do the creation, roots. Let's no, do roots. Let's we do, do roots. need to do roots now. So let's that was roots. the first time you kind of figure out this is now you're, you're hooked. I'm hooked. This is my thing. This is like a part of me. Yep. And you had a mountain bike only at that time, right? Hardtail Trek 7500. Sweet. That's a sweet bike. It's a pretty sweet bike. (laughs) You would go on road rides and keep up with road bikers on that bike? I would. Uh I wouldn't be leading the pack on my mountain bike, Mm -hmm. but I would keep up with them, yeah. Solid base miles. Very solid. Solid base miles. Solid crazy, like (laughs) crazy training. I've been there. I did that. Uh, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Now you ask the creation story. Okay. Do whatever. All right. So, the way back machine. The oh, the I like that. The (laughs) The way back machine. When is the time in your life where you knew, like, you first got hooked on bikes? Let's say. Um, I think it was about. My memory is like five. I probably had the bike just before that somewhere around there and um my parents got me a pink schwinn that uh had a banana seat and had streamers and had flowers painted on it and uh, i would just ride that thing all day literally all day put my friends on the handlebars you know we crash all the time five 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 years old Mm -hmm. you took my kid on if you were five and my kid would like i want to ride with my five-year-old on his (laughs) handlebar i'd be like no right zenon zenon like piloting somebody on the handlebars <laughs> at seven years old no <laughs> not happening yeah so maybe yeah. you're responsible at five okay but i'm listening this is yeah yeah you know i just uh before helmets and lots of confidence no helmet too. i didn't know i didn't have a helmet that didn't happen like there was a time when helmets just weren't a thing yeah once upon a time yeah definitely that's I probably what's wrong with me now <laughs> really oh yeah i wore helmets from like beginning of time for well me. some of That's us didn't like have good parents okay no, I'm just kidding. no I'm, it's not i mean we did other weird things in israel but we had helmets you had helmets <laughs> yeah it preserved your brain this way i mean but I, I i mean i remember very vividly not having seat belts in the right cars. no yeah, no yeah. seat belts yeah. no yeah. no no yeah yeah. That, yeah but i had a veta helmet with that you know um cover like the mm-hmm. uh, it's a fabric cover oh really on top of a styrofoam like the, nice oh i know what you're talking about yep yes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. of course you know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> it's, you've seen it in museums right hey, there was the, the old bell helmet that had like the one little like you could slide the bell thing across the yeah, top yeah, yeah, like yeah. the one vent the tiny vent uh-huh. you could pull out uh-huh. Ooh, no that's <laughs> a, the bell logo i had one of those yeah no mm-hmm. it's yeah. i mean it's a helmet that loosely holds onto your head yeah and you had different foams you can put in so it's somewhat more sturdy 
And if you crash, I think the helmet wore you as a protection. I'm not sure what's uh, <laughs> like it throw you it throw you down. I'm not sure they throw you under the protect- bus. Yeah, I don't think it was protecting you. <laughs> right, a magical right. magnetic thing would just like flip you upside down. But but Man. you land on your feet that way. That's right. Could be like good. a cat. Mm-hmm. Like a cat. <laughs> so <clears throat> Schwinn. Schwinn. Yeah. Tassels. Streamers. Uh, tassels or something else did you start racing back then at five (laughs) uh i raced the neighborhood boys Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i haven't lost to this day (laughs) (laughs) every time i win i still beat seven-year-old kids (laughs) no problem hands down you're at the end of the block like okay we're gonna finish at the end of the block yeah we raced to the yellow line or the second speed bump Mm -hmm. and they knew they're racing too she doesn't know she yeah no they knew they were no did I think you know I, did i know the oh, race oh, was I, on the race was on and okay. i was winning yeah okay well then yeah she was competitive from start yes i was that's good yep i mean i don't know it's not bad it's something it's competitive <laughs> it's good yes so it's you good here you, you are happy. feeling free on the bike like all of us did yep yep we can go further than walking we, yep. we get there faster i don't know further but we get there faster definitely further and faster for me like yeah. And then you moved to Ashland? Yep. I think I was, uh, yeah. I did move to Ashland. The bike did not move with me. By the way, I know this because we've done this three times. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the reason I know your story so far is because I've heard it. My parents stole my bike for drug money. I'm just kidding. No, <coughs> I don't know. Moving money? The U-Haul <laughs> <Moving> rental? <laughs> <laughs> we need that. I rode my bike to Oregon. No. Um yeah, I don't. I don't know. I th- I probably did outgrow the bike, and because uh, if I had it when I was five, and we moved when I was like twelve, thirteen. Oh yeah, that bike oh. was it's probably like oh, a BMX yeah. bike oh, at that point. My story is working <laughs> well. Then your parents got their they got their money out of that. <laughs> they got yeah, there. Yeah, sure. they did. Yeah. So you got to Ashland, and were bikes still part of your life then? No, nope. Dropped out for a while. <sighs> yeah, I think. Uh, it was kind of a big transition moving to Ashland. I wasn't into it because it was just a totally different lifestyle completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like more focused on school and making friends and uh, they didn't ride bikes. So what point? So then you, you were obviously a very active person. Yeah. Yep. And so you, you did what that didn't cause you to start riding bikes? <clears throat> I've heard it again. I mean, I've heard what, it. So what I know. caused I'm, me to start riding bikes? Yes. No. Yes. What caused her to go oh, oh, into cycling? Back into cycling. Got yes. That. All right. So I was a trainer at 24-Hour Fitness in Medford. And, um, you know, there were spin classes. So this is 19... Oh, 2000 and... 2002. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. The yes. end of 2001. Spinning 2000. was big. I was a spinning instructor yeah. that time, too. Yeah. Around were you? That time. Yeah. I hated it. Did you? I did. <laughs> I did hate it. <laughs> I hate it for funny reasons. Man, I'm not... Did you hate it more than selling cars or or no? So this is before... Before it, you sold cars? Um, and I... You sold cars? For let's, four months. Let's... For four months. Back it up. You sold cars? For four and months. And you were a spin yeah. instructor? He's good at it. Not at the same time. Not at the same time. And... Um, but the reason I hated it, which is kind of funny, because I'm, I'm an adult now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was... It was... I was like 21 when I was teaching. It was 2001 that I was teaching. And there was a lot of older women that would come to my class. Okay. And they were very aggressive towards would me. Would you call them cougar aggressive? 
they were. I don't think the term hunters. existed then, but yes. No. <laughs> but I was <laughs> really up. I think that's a newer term. <laughs> I was pre cougar. I'm sorry, I don't mean to make you guys uncomfortable. No, but no. A spade is a spade. I really <laughs> did not know how to deal with it to the point where I had to stop. And then what I did is I, I kept. They kept me as the guy who fixes a spinning bike, so I did that for like a year. Okay, where I would I still have my free membership, and I could just would come in and fix. Where their was bikes this in Israel? Okay, yeah. Oh and wow. Was, okay. Yeah, and it was uh, so that's why I stopped. I was like, I could I couldn't do this anymore. Like these women, they're driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would feel the same now, but as a like a young right, you're a kid basically i was like really what is going what on is, here? yeah yeah too much too much <laughs> yes um that and then i remember taking the other spinning instructor who some of them were like gods like there was a point where spinning in israel i don't know how america was uh-huh. it was like a thing like oh like yeah six months. no it's a thing here like people would dress up like they would buy the nicest bike clothes and the nicest shoes and they would go and do spinning like it was like a th- oh, wow. it was like a party there, like a dark rooms, lasers, smoke, disco ball, yeah, and full smoke on, and like yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe not the same dance, here. Like, it was dance music, dance really, and, and and you had like a whole light, like I had Man. a I had a whole like thingy with with like buttons and knobs, and you can change the lighting, and you had a like smoke. a DJ, like yeah. you're a spin DJ, absolutely. They do a that in spin. California, but it's not so not up here so much so yeah, so it, was, the time it was like a yeah. party on that one the whole thing was a party huh. and you just like was there soap like soap you know like soap dude I had a smoke machine, smoke machine. <laughs> <laughs> I had horns Wait, how did work people would come with horns you're breathing hard wow. what about the smoke no no it was that's that sounds the unhealthy. thing disco disco I'm telling you it was big it sounds more like a nightclub are you sure you it like, does sound like I think they it combined it like it was a combination I think you went to nightclubs in your cycle no 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 I think that's what actually happened in this did you ever drop acid you were like in your you're in your bib tights your bibs at the nightclub and somehow you think you were at the spin class no i swear this is are you this, sure yeah 100 that's spinning in israel I, I believe him i believe at him. the time and man i remember this one guy i mean he was buff and like fit and he was like i mean he would fill in like 60 to 80 people a class like just that's he it. was that's crazy he was famous and he we did a thing where the bike shop i i worked in um we did like we opened it up for spinning people to come in for like like learning how to ride bikes like mountain bikes Man, and he came. I mean, he couldn't climb like two miles. I mean, he was just gone. I mean, this guy was a spinning god. Could wow. not climb. Strength to weight ratio. No, it's Grab- his resistance was set at like zero, probably. When he was yeah, doing first this. of all, yeah. what you learn is that when you're an instructor, you cannot work out the same no, way you're going to talk. Because you got to talk. Right. You got to talk and you got to like not puke. Then so yep. you just act like <laughs> you're working hard. Yeah. yeah, that's one. Spritz some sweat on you from them. <laughs> The spray bottle. <laughs> the spray no, you bottle. get sweaty, but um, it's just it is different fitness. So do they? Do they? Uh, it makes me curious if they have outdoor cycling there as like is it as big as it is here? Like it, the terrain or the culture or anything? In or, Israel, are there as many yeah. cougars outside? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's only <laughs> or the indoor town for one cougar. So. <laughs> C- cycling is the second biggest sport in Israel. Was it then? Uh, wow. You know, spinning helped it, to be fair. No, it wasn't quite as big, but it was, by the 2000s, it was getting much bigger. And the 2000s brought with it, with it uh, why are we talking about Israel right now? Sorry. I don't know. You, you yeah, but you're right. It goes back and forth. It um, does, yeah. Cycling opens us up to a lot. Israel in mm-hmm. 2000, the dot-com was bringing a lot of money. 
lots of money, brought people that want to buy, re- buy really nice bikes. There were more trails available. And so, you know, if you build it, they will come kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it started really growing at the time. And actually cycling for a while was from 2000 and I want to say one to like 2005. It was like a way for people to show wealth. So in America, you'll drive a Ferrari. Uh-huh. There you would have your company car, which was like a Mazda 3 or whatever it was, you know, free car okay. from the company you work for and a super fancy bike in the back. And that was really? like, and, yeah, and people would drive around with a bike in the back. Like there's all these jokes about people riding on like the boardwalk on the beach, which is flat uh-huh. with like $12,000 bikes, all the gear wow. as like if they're going nowhere. Yeah, it's an accessory. Yes. Yeah. Huh. I've heard. Uh, yeah. That's was, interesting, actually. It was like a thing. People oh. in other cities, they go to coffee shops with fixie bikes. Sure. Just yes. like walking them up to the coffee yep. shop, parking it, getting a coffee, hanging out, drinking the coffee. For a while, walking biking the fixie was... bike off into the distance. It was like, you know what it was? It was the rollerblade. <laughs> like, uh-huh. it was like a thing to do. Yeah. And it was very fashionate to have it. And people showed their money off with it. And I mean... Thank God, but because that brought more trails, which brought more people into biking, which biking improved, which brought more people. I mean, it's just. But now, but now, being in a small country, there's lots of people, and so it's it's crowded. Yeah, the trails. Very. uh, So, all right, back to you because it's more. I kind of want to hear more about this. You went from spinning. (laughs) You went from kid on a bike to big break from bikes, intermission, to spinning at a club. Fitness club. Uh, fitness club, let's mm-hmm. be clear. Be clear. Yep. Uh, <laughs> On a stage. To, to, I just cut it no to the chase. Like eventually pro I never road <laughs> racing, right? Eventually pro road racing. But there's a lot of stuff to get to be- between spin class and pro road, road, road race. Wow. Right. So, years, yeah. so the, qu- the, the big one here, and second time today, how do we go from a spinning rider to a professional cyclist. We gotta get outside first. You gotta get outside the, the walls of the spin class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go outside. How you go outside? You know, I thought about this a little bit since our last uh, r- the rendition. last three rounds? <clears throat> yeah, and it's, uh, you know, cycling for me has really been uh, a, like a social network, which I think is so important, you know, for people, everybody. Um, some kind of sense of belonging and also just... I think saying yes to new opportunities. Like I mm-hmm. never, I never ridden outside before, and this um, couple of the cycling instructors, you know, uh, were married, um, and they actually had a group of people that rode outside. So they asked me to go on one of their annual Crater Lake rides. So it's a thirty-six mile ride around um, the rim of Crater Lake, <clears throat> up and downs. Like you're never flat. You're either have you guys done it you're climbing scenery, if and I you're remember, like pretty, yeah pretty tame boring scenery <laughs> way. it is a drag no it's yeah. um dull very dull no it was it was i was suffering so much i couldn't even tell you about the scenery but like which mean you enjoyed every second every i did you loved it i could yeah. lo- something about the suffering yeah see, like were you suffering and passing people sometimes um I yes, so like I passed the last person in the group a couple times. <laughs> the last person in the so group you're fighting for last or second. Last. Um, I was just fighting to keep up, basically mm-hmm. at that point. But you're on a mountain bike, right? So yeah, I went and, and bought a bike. I was like, oh, they invited me on a bike ride. I don't have a bike. I'm going to go buy a bike. And they're so, on road bikes, right? And they're all on road bikes. It was a road bike, and nobody told me. 
No, so I just went and bought a road bike. Well, because they assume you have a road bike. I guess Th- they assume you have a road bike. That happened to me too, by the way. My first bike, when I was invited to go to the bike club from friends who were riding, I said, yeah, go get a bike and join us. Well, I went out and bought a mountain bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then showed up there. They looked at me like, ah, that's not going <laughs> to work. Uh, and you made it work, right? No. I had to go uh, and change the bike <laughs> to a road bike. Oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I did not make it work. I was definitely a diehard mountain bike person at that point in time. I went yeah. on my first road rides yes. on a mountain bike. This is thirteen. And I everybody just, thought I wouldn't finish. And I did. Well, so. you are another level. That's a different mm. story. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's not, a whole other yeah, thing. Not, yeah. It's a it's a different thing. But it, so I, I you get did you. The, you did the yes. road ride, the Curd Lake road ride on your mountain bike. By the way, yep. you see that's the that's the moment. That's the seed moment. Yeah, suffering. On a conquering. bike ride, conquering it, and but enjoying every second of it, especially afterwards. Like, wow, this was uh-huh. a good event, and I'm hooked. I yes. want to do that again. That pain was good. That pain was good. Yeah, and I, and I want to pass that last guy. I want to be passing the first guy. I want to do better. Yes. And the the cool thing about especially mountain biking, also or road, or you can always get better. You can, I mean, you you can always surpass yourself wherever you're right. at. Yeah. Well, any sport, right? Yep, I think I think any sport for the most part. Um, yeah, you can always get better, and there's always a new goal to catch. Yes, and you can always be better than your last if you're the best. And it's so measurable mm-hmm. on a bike, your watts, your speed. Can mm-hmm. I recommend the audience something? Both of you also, you should do that. Go home and watch the last um, uh, even bars from the last Olympics. The the thing that won the gold mm-hmm. parallel uh, yeah parallel bars mm-hmm. for women and then watch Nadia Comaneci perfect 10 yeah the Nadia Comaneci I think I saw that just watch them both it's it's almost funny to watch Nadia Comaneci like the perfect 10 that score that was like I mean she's famous for it right mm-hmm. you watch it now I kid you not an 11 year old from any high school and not high school middle school can do what she did better isn't that crazy it's uh, like you watch like it you're Rebel like Rampage. she would not even get into the olympics with what she did she wouldn't mm-hmm. even get to the like the pre pre high school olympics for that for that drill so it just yeah. shows how every sport like whatever the top of the whatever it is it just keeps on advancing mm-hmm. and someone comes in and brings a level up and on everything we do whenever we feel like we're the the peak of something we're not we're the peak of something that day that's what it is or you're fighting for last place around Crater Lake. So what's Love next? That. What was next? I um, I had a friend. Had you already been doing the 2060? No, that was my first. <clears throat> so since I was a kid, since my my pink Schwinn with the banana seat, yeah, and moving to Oregon, <clears throat> that was my. So I did track. I I played soccer. I was in weight training and stuff like that. But I had not been on a bike, a real bike outside. Since I was a kid. That was my first time. Biting off the Crater Lake Loop ride. Yep. That's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't think anything of it. And people were friendly. I mean, that's the fun thing about cyclists. Usually they're friendly. Like, it's all about, like, the togetherness. Man, there's such a community around cycling, you know? You just really... Yeah, that's probably... We might get to that. But it's it's definitely a, um, a group of people... You get to know somebody when you're on a ride with them. You know, you're out training. Yeah. So then you move out of Ashland. Where are you moving to? I moved to Sacramento. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 2008. And then, oh, that's 
further way like the yep. further machine is moved. still all mountain further. bike riding right mountain bike uh, or at least no not so somebody loaned me their road bike mm-hmm. and uh, it was too big mm-hmm. it was aluminum in sacramento no this was here oh here okay. oh, oh, the, so we yeah. one of the, see we oh. got it all wrong see fourth yeah. time around you get fourth more details time around. Yeah. fourth yeah. time yeah. so now we're gonna do y- you guys have learned that you're gonna do four rounds of podcasts <laughs> minimum four <laughs> when needed yes. no so um i know it's confusing and i was nervous before but yeah so um somebody felt sorry for me i think and i i worked at harry and david here locally and uh medford oregon and they would leave they would do group rides every tuesday night from the parking lot of harry and david and um this older guy said hey i have an extra i think it was a i think it was a cannondale it was a yellow and black cannondale that was way too big it was aluminum and i had three uh it was even before that cad two yes and i i hopped on that thing and i was like i'll ride it i guess i'll ride it okay pretty cool and your initial take versus a mountain bike on the road um did you right away with like whoa it's pretty amazing no i i thought road cyclists were tools actually i was like this is stupid no comment where are we going with this that's what i thought i I don't i'm not gonna lie i was like this is i just i had this in my head and i don't know where it came from but i thought that um people that rode road bikes were kind of nerdy and uh i I didn't get it i didn't get it but i like the community yeah you know all the spandex and obsessive and like bruh and they're just i don't know they just were um so <laughs> they just the wanted future. to beat the shit out of each <laughs> into other. The future, so you become a prototype, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the irony. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. The we're, yeah, 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 we're on the yeah. journey here. But when I first started, I and it actually it it um it was they tried to convince me. This group of people tried to convince me to get on a road bike because they could tell that I was probably strong in the cycling class, the spinning class, for over a year, well over a year, and I just fought it. And I was like, no way. I'm not. I'm not riding a road. Skinny tires. <laughs> Why is it still like that? What? What you described? So here's the thing: why you don't feel it anymore. I have a lot of. (laughs) So the reason the reason it's uh, with roadies, I noticed, is if you prove yourself, then you become part of the group. Yep. And then you become part of the group, just like you are with mom bikers. Only with mom bikers, you become part of the group before you even ride a bike together. Yeah. You just talk about bikes, and then you like your best friends, and and you just do something. Yep. Where with roadies, it's like until you beat each other up mm-hmm. to pulp. I wonder what that's like a pack. You have to establish pack. Yeah, maybe. Or something like that. Yeah. Alpha. But whereas mountain bikes, like you have to establish that like, you can go out there and survive. Basically. No, mountain bikes like you just got to prove that you have a mountain bike, and you like to say XDR and AXX and well, suspension and sig drop. Like that that's makes all. us sound pretty simple there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, you know what? Honestly, like, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I was learning and I didn't think that it was as fun because you just kind of pound yourself into the ground, right? Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed that. And so. Yeah, once the rhythm is there. Once, once the rhythm is there. The rhythm, yeah. But you have to kind of, skinny tires and cars and all mm-hmm. of these different things takes a little bit of getting used to. So, mm-hmm. Do the results factor into that too, though? Like, the, you pound yourself into the ground, but like winning a little bit? This is before, though. She's, oh, yeah. she's talking on the before. Well, we're talking road riding, Group right? rides. Uh, I was group on group rides. rides. And I'm saying, like, in a group ride, there is still that dynamic. Yes. There's still classification within yourself. Yep. You don't. Maybe you're not... 
any level of official cyclist yet, but but you have a group dynamic where you start to figure out where you stack up with everybody else. Sure. Yeah, definitely. What that. you're strong at. Yeah. And not. It's such a good teacher too because you start learning that um and so I mean you have to interact with other people, you mm-hmm. have to be perceptive. Um you want to be safe. There's just a lot to it mentally, I think, in road cycling. Um cuz you're not by yourself. It's like pack hunting. I'm guessing. Yeah. Cougars do that. Cougars pack hunt. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just yes. Yeah, there's a little uh, the competitiveness. There's other people that would be competitive with, and uh, yeah, I know. I just so really let, let's it. actually let's jump into racing. So obviously you start racing, <laughs> and you do local races and whatnot. And then when did you notice you're really good at racing? Because road biking, and this is something we talked about before in this podcast, that the strongest person doesn't always win. You actually have to learn yeah. how to read. What's around you? By the way, especially crits. Crits is really important where your wheel is. Yep. Uh, criterium. Which, yep. Criterium. Which criterium is, by the way, like a la- just laps. Yeah, you do. You usually, it's, it's a NASCAR of road biking. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, it's it's less than a mile long. It's really friendly for um, spectators. They're shorter races, no more than forty minutes usually, and then they're really fast. It's really fun. They're mostly yep. flat. Flat and fast. Yep. Yep. Um, but where you sit makes a huge mm-hmm. difference and so at what point you start figuring out that you know you need to work on that like your etiquette within the peloton or did you just it was natural to you like you could figure out how the peloton moves like um, the back is hard you're always chasing the front obviously you're sucking yep you're you're taking all the wind at what point do you figure out like your spot um, I started figuring that out on group rides mm-hmm. for the most part. <clears throat> and then um, I did get a coach early on mm-hmm. and we debriefed after every crit. And uh, I, I just was like, I, I just didn't get it at first actually. But, um, you know, he, he did coach me pretty well. And then I was in a cat four when I started racing mm-hmm. uh, beginning level. I, um, I could just win without trying, really, right, without being the having tactics. Just enough, yes. It's just enough, yeah. Yeah, at that was point. It boring or exciting? <clears throat> no, it's still exciting. I always mm. got really excited every time I raced. Yeah. Well, so, uh, what, by the way, what point did you decided I need a coach and I can't just do it by myself? Because obviously you had some natural abilities that you build over time. But when did you decide, nah, it's not enough. I need someone to help me, or that's just something that was beat into you, like you need a coach when doing things. I'm trying to remember back, but um, it was pretty soon after I started racing because I, I did, I wanted a plan. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how far I should ride. I didn't know what intensity intensity I should ride at, um, and I didn't want to guess. Like you know, I was new to this, so I wanted to work with somebody that was um, successful and could tell me. Was this when you were on a pro team or before that? Before. Before. So when I was on a club team, Cat Cat 4. Okay. Interesting. It's how much you paid a coach. Do you remember? Yeah. $300 a month. And it was a lot for me. It's a lot. It was a lot. For sure. He was an Olympian. Mm -hmm. um, Harvey Nitz. He he rode for 7-Eleven. And he he was uh, a silver medalist, a gold medalist, and a bronze medalist on the track. Damn. Yeah. beast <laughs> he was a beast yeah. Yeah. and the beast most humble person yeah totally yeah so he uh, yeah he was i heard about him 
and I just had this feeling that I I wanted to work with him, and so. So you got a good coach right away. I got a good coach right so away. It's amazing. With by the way, this coach, like, what do you think is the single most important thing that he advised you to do, or is there something like that? Yeah. Um, like like what have you retained Training from him? tactics, racing tactics. So Harvey was really good with tactics, and we mm-hmm. talked a lot about that. Um, I remember one time, and he actually uh, rode with me. It was incredible. This guy still had muscle memory from like many years ago, and um, he was trying. He was pacing me, and we were on this country road. And he was he would stop, and he was like this old Italian guy, right? And he'd, he'd say, "Okay, Heather, you gotta feel." the hair on your arm coming from and he goes oh god you don't have a lot of hair okay well but he helped me um actually be aware and bring presence and tune in to because before that i was so hardcore that i didn't feel anything i I don't know which direction the wind was coming from i was just like i'm gonna suffer as hard as i can but he helped me um like bring my presence into uh the wind what people are doing, what they might be thinking to be able to tell if they were like starting to tire out. So why, why the wind? What was important about the wind? Um, so I'd go on these long, so Sacramento is flat. And then um, there's, there's obviously a lot of mountains riding there also. But like if I was riding in a group, obviously echeloning mm-hmm. and um, echeloning pacing. is what? So, so basically you're in like a pace line mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you, you learn quickly that the person in the front is taking all, all of the brunt of the wind. And the kind of the farther back you are, um, or at least the second wheel. So basically, if the wind is coming straight at you, then um, there's a different tactic for that than, versus if the wind is kind of coming from the northwest or the southeast, right? And so you know how to position yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's... Uh, Everybody knows if you're seasoned and you're educated and you know what you're doing, basically. But and you can tell the people that don't know how to echelon. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's so he just taught me to be um, really in tune and aware of what's going on and and how to how to be in a pace line based on the wind and other dynamics. Arm hair. So what else? Yeah. Like so that's really so he helped you with that. And then what about like was he there helping you? Like okay, right now is a good time to attack because right now you can see that the front is doing this or that or yep. the person ahead of you. Like what's give me some of that. That's we're we're at <laughs> the, the meeting now. The I love this. Somebody's weak. See, I feel like <laughs> that is you know road biking. <laughs> a lot of people watch it like for the first time yep. and they don't see the nuances of what mm-hmm. makes it special. Yep. Right. And so. What is so road biking? Again, I'll just do this like basic thing is that the peloton is a living organism, yeah, it's ever changing. It's it ever changing. Like a school of fish. When you see oh my god, top, you took the words like right out of it. Yeah. Like it's, it's like it's moving yeah. around. It's actually more like birds. Like, well, like birds, if there's a headwind yeah. or a sidewind for sure, like the exact same thing birds do when they pace line across the sky. So, what's amazing about an, an echelon or a peloton is that the first person obviously takes the brunt of it, right? Mm-hmm. The second person only gets two-thirds of what the first person get, but by actually sitting on their wheel, they're reducing the drag for the person in the front by 5%. So it's actually easier for the person in the front. It is. It's even more than that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and then it How goes backwards. 30%. What? 
What wow. is it? So, oh, it's helping the f- person in the front by 30%? The leader gets help 30% by the person right I thought it's less him. than that, but I could be wrong. Yes, it's fine. It might 30%. depend on like the angle of the wind, too. <sighs> sure, Maybe. but the thing uh, about... I don't know. The thing it's about significant. You can feel it. <laughs> yeah, the thing about it that's important to understand is that drag is not you hitting the wind, is what the wind doing after you hit it. And so by having a cyclist behind you, someone behind yep. you, it helps... Dirty air versus clean air. Correct. But again, like dirty a air effect. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> the venturi effect is not that. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> self-produced. <laughs> <laughs> no, those things in cars are venturis, right? They help no, clean up the air behind it. effect is the effect of any like changing uh, system pressure. So as a as a venturi effect is when you collapse the system of yeah. air or water. Yeah. It rushes through the narrow yes. side. You lost me. You just totally lost me. You get equilibrium on the other side. I love side. you both. I, it's the same I love thing. Nathan more, but you lost me. Clean air, dirtier. <laughs> it, it's all venturi. But it's not dirtier in a venturi effect. It's well, all clean. It gets rid of it. That's right. That's what it is. Oh. It gets rid of it. <laughs> Are we talking about clean energy right now? No. 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 no, no well, no, maybe. No, I don't know. No, yeah. no, I get what you're saying. All right. So, um, Are we still good? Yeah, we're yeah, recording. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> I love just talking. All of this is there. Right now. Yes. Um, so back to the peloton. So it is a moving organism. Mm-hmm. The wind changes it. The we one day we should do a talk. Not energy today. changes like like individual riders and what they have energy wise. Well, who's in front? Who? What their job is? There's tactics. It. I'll give an example. If you fade off the back with half the peloton. So let's say you're <laughs> working for. It. Let's say you're working for your someone. So let's say there's a breakaway at some point. Mm-hmm. You'll oftentimes see the team of one of the people or more. Or like, let's say there's two people in the front, right, on a breakaway. You'll see those two teams of those two people in the front actually go into the front and start moving mm-hmm. the peloton. And what they'll do is they usually do a tactic where they increase the speed for a while as if they're chasing, but then slowly reducing the speed because they don't really want to catch the, the break. They want their people to win. Mm-hmm. Is that what you did that one time? The, oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, uh, <laughs> all right. We've talked g- about that before. Yes. We won't do that. Um, yeah. So, again, I want to get people to know that road cycling is interesting. It's just like anything else. you got to learn the rules of it. And once you do, it's mm-hmm. you find the nuances and how the team work and then it's it's actually it's amazing it's amazing and yeah. and the people that win you'll notice they win oftenly and it's not just because of the team it's because they have this sometime an innate like an ability mm-hmm. to figure out always where to be mm-hmm. like you yep. look at cavendish he's oh, obviously yeah. a beast of a human being but he can just like find always yeah. seem to know where to be in and order to get out to the sprint heather you won a lot right i did you so, did so yep so but that was hard for me how like did knowing you where, know to be? where to be how do you know where to be um i had what does it mean knowing where to be yeah you really do have to pay attention you're not just what are you looking for right. so by the way you're a sprinter like my, mainly like your sprints is how you won or a lot of time was breakaways like what was your Skill. A combination of both, but I, I definitely, definitely am a sprinter. Like I was a r- really strong sprinter. So okay, so let's let's move. So you would you at the very end you win. Like yeah, you're not leading the entire race because our listeners I don't think understand the dynamics. Like maybe some do, but they don't understand. Like in this pack dynamic, there's like the lead rider fish in the school of fish, right? And mm-hmm. then at some point, 
they are not necessarily going to win. In fact, likely aren't going to win, right? Yeah, so I mean, so every race we went into with a plan. And um, it depended on the race. It depended on the terrain. Uh, we definitely, you know, obviously some people are climbers. They're better so wait, at climbing. So wait, how does the plan look like? And how did you know how to follow it? It depended, right? So we had a director sportif. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was with UC Davis. And he also did our, like... Um, uh, our testing, like our endurance testing and VO2 max and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, we just, I mean, we we were a well-oiled machine. Were you all like chess pieces? Was he like a oh, chess yeah. master? Like figuring out who's going to do what at what point in time in the race and who's going to go get the water bottles and the food and mm-hmm. who's going to who's gonna win, basically. Yeah, we had a plan and then we had a plan B usually mm-hmm. also. So Did you have anything on your stem ever? my stem never had a piece of paper with instructions you know what when i first started Mm -hmm. i i actually had i would tape that stuff to my uh my top tube okay um but it wasn't for races it was for training for Mm. like oh what's your intervals look like or what's your yeah well yeah what was what shut up what power right i just like went by the books of what i was told to do for training but in races i I just, um, there's, there's no, so you didn't like had like, so what a lot of racers do is they have on the stem or on the frame, you put a piece of paper with like where the big climbs are or like how much miles into the ride. Maybe you can have breakaways, like areas that are good or beneficial to kind of break away. So you didn't do that. No like you just just totally like w- not wing it. Cause obviously they gave you the plan, but you just knew it. Like you could retain that. I retained it. That's amazing. But we ta- we yeah we talked about it mm-hmm. um, at length, and I and I knew the in my head I knew the courses I had mm-hmm. a visual, um, and I knew what my job was. And sometimes you know what you have to be flexible because uh, sometimes the plan doesn't go to yeah according to plan. Like yeah. somebody might not feel great or other teams are actually really strong and you have to chase yeah like you, yeah just you have to happens. kind of react in the yeah. moment also um and take into consideration the the plan that you talked about and kind of find a middle ground there so let's tell our audience what was the first pro team you were in uh steven's pactmo okay and they just showed up one day and told you, you they want you there right yeah it was a new t- it was a new team and after my first year they called me and asked me to join their join their team and then um how long were you with them uh a year and then and then from here on out i don't know this is amazing and then i went to uh trek and Rayleigh's. okay which is what where <coughs> give us the so this time paid job non-paid job what are you doing paid we point? got a small um small salary and of course everything else was paid as far as um bikes i still have my buy bike <laughs> my road bike from that team a trek and monda and uh yeah we i mean again small salary no more than thirty thousand dollars a year but that was but on that's top. salary that's, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's, that's awesome bills? that is oh awesome. yeah and then uh <laughs> so wait so i'll go back to it in a second but um so at that point you're racing and you, you, how much money is racing bringing to the team? Cause the team shares it always, but like you guys are racing and winning, I'm guessing some. Mm-hmm. So what's, how much extra was that? I mean, it wasn't a lot. 
five thousand extra a year per win, or like individually or as a group? Yeah, individually for the whole year. Individually, oh, um, or more than that. Just on the winnings, probably about. Yeah, probably. I don't know, like ten thousand on top Who of I, per rider. Per rider. So we're talking we four thousand bucks a year. That's, a year. that's amazing. That is. Yeah, it was fun. That's great. Oh wow! So you. That's what you did, you right? Were or did you have a job? That's what I, I was. That was my job. Full time, professional. Full time. Holy moly! That's amazing. You're that's making a living. Pro. I was pro. making a yeah. <laughs> so they've yeah. heard me said this like twice already, but I'm gonna say it again to the audience who doesn't know. There are two levels of pro in cycling. There is the one who gets paid and gets everything for free, and there's the one who just races with the pro. same people, pro. Yeah. But doesn't get all those Correct, <laughs> right. but just has to work for it. <laughs> so they pay to race pro. <laughs> they, yes. Right. So yes. They are in a professional race. So not Tour de France. That is the one place where it's everyone there gets paid. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> Being a pro does not mean you get paid. It just means you're at a certain level and of all of a certain license type. Yep. And that's why you're racing pro. But you could be racing, like you could be working, you know, 50 hour, you know, yeah. weeks, full time job, kids and everything. And then also races pro level. Mm-hmm. Or you could be, you know, training, going to sleep, training again. <laughs> having yeah. a coach. Well, I did pro A and pro B. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's so actually being a pro in cycling is pro her pro it's like rare. getting paid rare is rare to get that. very rare and it's not about to get that to earn that yeah. to get to the level where you are now where getting paid it. oh that's a huge thing so you're saying that you were one year as a pro b pro which is just getting free bikes and um you know races mm-hmm. you went to uh well is that is that considered a continental team like a pro like it's a a team like a yep right you were racing all over the country at that point the yep. or the Rayleigh's one this was track no track, track. Rayleigh's. track uh, Rayleigh's. so one year's Pactimo. yep and the brand and then how did trek yep. find you River. like obviously they saw you in races and then who pulled you in and then how did that look like the <coughs> process actually it was a team owner um and she lived in Folsom, which is where I live too. Mm-hmm. And you know, NorCal is one of the most competitive cycling yep. uh, regions, and uh, so it's high visibility. And I, I there there were race rides with a bunch of guys that I would join uh, out of her, basically out of her shop. Did you make them suffer? And <laughs> did I? Mm-hmm. So wait, wait, did so you enjoy it? There's, yeah. I'm seeing a nod of yes. She's not a yes. They made me suffer, but I made them suffer too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she calls you in, basic to the team, and they, she wants you to join. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's a contract at that point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And how does that look like? Like, do you have a lawyer? Do oh you God, have your, no. Like, just you read it, like, ah, I love to sign anything. You have five minutes to sign. <laughs> Here's my kidney. Ten pages. Yeah, no, it was uh, like nothing was overly formal, um, and I was so excited still at that point that I. You know, it's not like I read the fine print. It was bike racing. I didn't, mm-hmm. f- I didn't feel like, uh, you know, I, I was I was just, I was really excited and humbled for the opportunity. So you yeah. went from riding for fun and destroying people on the bike path to pro racer <laughs> in like four years. Three years? Two years? One. Year. One year. You no, no, from no. From the moment you start your first time doing a crit to being a pro was no, one year? No, bike path. No, it was one year. What? Yeah. No, this is like... <sighs> 
I need to drop the mic and leaving. Style. I need to leave this place now. Kaboom! I don't be around her. <laughs> Check it out. It's a, I'm telling you, it's you might like, as well leave now. I, well, it's just, just I, take I am not worthy. Check this out. I am not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> I will destroy you humbly. Yeah. It's exactly my story. Only mine took like ten years. Yes. <laughs> I was, you know, I just, uh, I think you kind of surround yourself with certain people. For me, I didn't purposely do it, but I, I just. I wanted to keep up. I like the challenge. You like to suffer. I like to suffer. How much of that, percentage-wise, like how much of the is suffering? Road biking? Because road biking to me seems like it's a like 90, 90% 97.5% suffering, like, right? Something like that, yeah. I mean... I would say 90% suffering and the rest of the 10% is like tactics and No, skill. the rest of the 10% is warming up the suffering. Warming. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I just... Uh, it was like a combination of the best kind of adrenaline. Yeah. You know, where, you, I mean, you're going, f- the faster you can go, the more exhilarating it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I was like, I can keep up with that guy who I know is amazing. I, sometimes I'd black out. I, I, don't, I didn't feel anything. I was going so fast and like digging so deep. But uh, no, no memory? Like, not, no, no not sight, like no. that, but like blackout as far as um, I felt Mike. nothing. I felt nothing. Uh, hmm. Yeah, like it went from pain to... It's like a zen state? In a zen way, nothing? Yeah. I remember passing no this whole group of pro guys once, and <laughs> one of my buddies was like, oh, man, that's going to hurt real bad. There had to be some feeling there. <laughs> yeah, there was, feel, there was feeling there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean... I, I don't I, you don't you don't win everything but I just I just didn't want to get dropped I just I I just wanted to win so bad Did you ever like a, a massive bonk event on a ride Oh my god millions of bonk events like the most massive Oh yeah talking like the Oh yeah like kill the dinosaurs kind of bonk event So one of my best friends in Sacramento who I worked at uh, City Bike Works in Sacramento with his name's Byron and he's just one of these gifted he still rides and uh, I don't think he races but um we decided to ride to Georgetown which was like a 100 mi- 100 mile loop you know just but just another day and for, I don't know what the hell I was thinking but I was not eating i wasn't like fueling (laughs) we're on this really long climb (laughs) and i was like you know you ride five hours a day and you don't have i had had no body fat right i'm pretty pretty skinny at this point because right now she's i gotta you can't see her but she's very she's chubby yeah she said she had no body fat like she is like i mean like i'm i'm sitting here and i'm like i gotta stop eating for the next couple of weeks <laughs> i'm gonna go to fast fast she's got you motivated she got me motivated to work on my, my, my bicep tricep like <laughs> she's very fit very well yeah so uh i just i just i bonked i i literally couldn't turn the paddles over anymore we're in this the middle of a long climb probably like a seven mile climb and i just i got off my bike and uh i laid in the gravel on the side of the road i have a picture i'll share that with you too yeah i was just like your eyesight go down to like a narrow point of vision i didn't give a shit did your hearing start to like get like cotton balls in your ears yeah Yeah, i I didn't care if i got hit by a truck profound wait how how many miles from the end was it from the end of the hundred mile, <laughs> the ball uh, we weren't set quite. In. So we weren't quite halfway 
through even. Ooh, that's like, oh, that's painful. Yeah. Can I tell you about my bonk out at Applegate Lake? No, but tell the story. Ashland to Medford to Applegate Lake to turning around Applegate. It's like 120 mile bike ride probably by the end. 120? Something like that by the end. Okay. Yeah. So well, coming it's you, down, so I'm not surprised. You've been, to, you've been to Applegate Lake, right? I've been there, yeah. So, I haven't ridden there. <laughs> coming down the hill from Applegate Lake, like downhill, I'd been charging the whole thing, uh-huh. leading, like taking long poles in the front, don't care, don't care, tons of energy. And uh, coming down downhill from Applegate Lake, it was like the extension cord pulled out of the wall. Just yeah. pop. You're done. Pop. Eyesight went down to a narrow point of vision. Uh, hearing went down to like cotton ball stuff how long ago was this this is quite a while ago Uh actually yeah i never Uh, heard of anybody bonking on the downhill yeah no it it, it, it can happen it can happen happen. yeah yeah it can happen and like at the point it's happening i didn't know what was happening it was the first time i experienced something quite like that didn't know what happened and i thought maybe i was dying actually (laughs) i thought i was pretty convinced (laughs) i was dying it does feel like and then when i realized i was dying i was like i don't but but then I don't know how I can ever recover from this because it felt like how could my body ever possibly recover from this state of being? And then I got some cookies. Cookies help. Some people on the ride gave me some cookies. They, f- they faded back off the back of the, the bike or off the back of the line. They dropped back. They gave me some cookies and that improved my impression of life a lot. Uh-huh. At that point, there was some hope yep. that came back into my system a little bit. And then I popped back into a state of I can pedal my bike again things are good and they kept feeding me cookies and i got home my, my thing was dr pepper but and snickers it was, it was rough though snickers yeah. are good yeah. Flat yeah. coke is the best dr pepper though yeah. i'm not sure about that that's got some extra it's got a little something extra yeah good that's why it's it was exactly good for her. why that's why she needed yeah. yeah yeah it could yep. go bad though so um wait go back wait <laughs> back to the pro so you're now writing for this pro team yep and then how was it for you? Like, was it a shock to the system? Like, first time you were riding with these women, were you feeling what? You're still feeling the strongest person there? Or were you feeling like you need to learn a lot? Did you have someone you were learning from? Like, how was it? Yeah, so the first year... Um, this is with the Trek team? This was with the Stevens Pactimo team. The first year I felt a little like... I don't know if I belong here. All these women have been racing for years, like years, minimum five to ten years. But the only way to do that, by the way, is to race. Yeah. And you went from jumping one year to four to three to then a pro. Pro. In one, basically one year. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, honestly, I, um, I just loved racing so much and i put myself out there and i know that's why because some people sit in the peloton Mm -hmm. they just sit there and they wait to sprint or they don't really work um especially if they're not a part of a team but i i when i was racing whether it was a crit or a road race i would talk to the other teams because i knew i was basically by myself Mm mm-hmm and I'd try to get in a break, and I would try to get them to work with me, and I would I just totally like totally see you controlling the race. Try, yeah. I'd talk, like I'd just talk, like let's go, race. let's go. I was so pumped, I just wanted to go, and and I would I would work, I would work hard, and I would put myself out there, and I I'm telling you that's the reason. They knew I'd work. They knew that um, I was um, active, and that I would. Did that ever bite you? Like 
the them yep. knowing you would work and yep. playing yep. you basically like oh yeah she's gonna go for it waste a bunch of energy that will get her at the um end. you know like one one time it did in a really long road race and um i i it was a kind of a hilly but like a rolling hills 90 mile road race and i was supposed to be the sprinter the, i was the designated sprinter and mm-hmm. somebody got selfish and um on your team yeah on my team it was the only time it ever happened like we had a really good team but it was kind of the end of the year and i think it was like her last race and she just wanted to win so instead of just saying i want to win can is that all right like you know um she just kind of duped me a little bit Mm -hmm. and but other than that um other than that i was pretty lucky we had a good team we were friends we um trained really well together and we usually stuck to the plan as much as possible unless somebody said, hey, I'm not feeling it. But, um, yeah, that team camaraderie really um, gave me a lot of energy. Like, I could find energy when I thought I had none left if I was working for somebody else. I didn't always, I didn't have to win every time. So so you were, do you think they chose you because you were a really good Dominique or because you were a really good racer? Like define winning domestique. Well, there's nothing to define a, a dom- no, for domestique. Our yeah, there's totally. So like, in a our team, listeners don't necessarily, they don't <laughs> know what a that so every, role is. Everyone at some point has to be a domestique in any team. Let's start with that. So even in Lance Armstrong, like in a certain races, he knows that he has to work for someone else. So a domestique is everyone who is working for someone else to right. win the race. Right? Because at the end of it, the money goes to the whole team. The mm-hmm. pride goes yep. to the whole mm-hmm. team. And it's really built around that. It's built around like even the person who wins, it's about the team helping him win. There's no way you win by yourself. That's true. Right. Okay. There's just at that level, no one wins by themselves. So the domestic does. A domestic is just a name for anyone who's the helper. But there are some people who are better at domesticing than actually winning. What's their job? Just to drag, like take the win for the the guy who's going to win at the end. Fade back and get bottles and food. Sure. Uh, Whatever is required. Sprint back up and deliver them. Yeah, it's anything mm-hmm. that the team Grunt needs work. in order to get that whoever is mm-hmm. going to win to win. Mm-hmm. And whoever's going to win is sometime, by the way, is not the person you thought is going to win. Randomly, like, oh, let's go on a breakaway the first two miles. 20 miles later, they're probably going to catch you. And then someone else is going to go on a breakaway. That sometimes happens. Sometimes mm-hmm. it catches. And then mm-hmm. everyone is working for that thing to happen, right? Yeah. It's not, it's, so... Were you a good domestique, or you just they liked you because of your attitude, or or you like you because you win because you know how to win? I think it was a combination. Uh, so I'd put myself out there and I'd work, and then I could also win. So I th- I think I feel like they, I'm guessing here because they never really said this to me. So I'm but I'm guessing that they saw me as versatile. Like mm-hmm. I'd work, but I could also work hard, mm-hmm. and I could still sprint and win at the so end. like if you were in the right spot they knew they can count on you to get probably win or be close enough every time or try to die doing it. if I, no yeah oh yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah like the the peloton is not broken there's a sprint oh my god we have we have heather i can always gonna, turn the sprint gonna, on yeah i could always yeah well that's that's okay that's that's amazing so and the other thing just for the audience to know this as teams don't always choose the strongest people they sometimes choose the people that will work good with them. Right. Like they hang out with them for a very long time. So you want people around you that you enjoy being around. So 
like if someone is a schmuck in the the peloton always nobody wants to be around them then mm-hmm. even though they're strong some people want, might i mean teams might choose not to have them around so sometimes having someone you like to be around is as important so obviously you were also someone that was energetic in a positive way to the team like that's that adds a lot right yeah i actually think that's a good description yeah when you get to the higher level uh pro teams they don't give a shit about that well, you always have to bring it on, but they still have to, like, they need to, I guess in the pro, pro team, like, like Twitter well, France level. People that go also, yeah. so. Um, Con- like, we're not talking to Continental, we're talking, no, we're talking Continental, yes. Yeah. So, okay, my first experience of this. So, wait, so Trek was only Continental, only in America? Or you did the well, Europe Well, my stuff? team, my team was a domestic pro team, so okay. we did not go to Europe. But then when I did the. Um, so, okay, so how long were you with Trek? Uh, three years. And then what happens? Then I moved to Oregon. Oh, wait, you stopped being a pro? Well, I was still on the team. And I mean, I don't know how in depth you want to get. So actually, I was on there for four years. So my fourth year, um, I got a divorce. Mm -hmm. I was going through a divorce. And um, I wanted to get a job to make more money because like $30,000 a year, yeah. a year. I was like, you know, I don't want your money. I'm going to make my own. And, um, so I, I lived down there and I still raced. And then I got recruited to a company in Oregon called Lithia Motors. And, oh, um, Lithia. Yeah. Like one of the biggest car dealership well, in the world, yes. in the country. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which probably is the world because it America, is the biggest. I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah. And so, so I moved to Oregon for that job because it, was like it, it was it a really good it paid yeah. it paid well you know i interviewed with them i love the people amazing i still love brian DeBoer and chris holshue and i mean um amazing people but anyway so like traveling back to california or traveling around to mm-hmm. race when i had a corporate job was just not like it just started wait to so pay. when did you race in europe I did not race in Europe. Oh, okay. I, I was a domestic racer. Oh, no. so you only domestic. I mean, only. Yes. Let's, I raced let's with European take racers. It. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, I have a daughter. I had a daughter. Um, so she, did you do like the Tour de California? Like, so yes. So, so that was what I was getting at. Which big tours have you done? Like Utah, California? The Amgen, Redlands, um, ju- mostly in the United States, basically. No, or but dairy still land. big tour. Okay. Yeah. And Europeans come here to race it. So you get yeah. to... You I was know, in the very first um, elbow to elbow with, with all of them. Yeah, you know they came here. So so again, like I said, California, uh, Northern California, especially pretty competitive. And so uh, I got to race with the top pros, like Ina Tutenberg, one of the best racers on the face of the planet. Oh, actually, wait, I have a question to ask because I don't know it. I just came up with it that I'm an idiot. Whoa, I'm such a moron. Well, I mean, yes, Don't I'm an idiot. self-deprecate. That's <laughs> no, so like okay. 1980s. So wait, I'm actually, in my head, I actually also said like, oh, European. But I'm not sure that European women's cycling is actually better than American women's cycling. It might have been way more advanced here than over there. Because I actually don't remember women's cycling in Europe. Um, yeah. I, I mean, know it existed, but I didn't really know much about it. So is it this, like, is the European considered... M- harder racing in europe or in america actually has better women be- because it's just more accessible to women here I, I would not say it's better here i would not say that um i think that it, it like you have you have the top riders like you know evelyn stevens um there's a 
really high level and they usually are they travel everywhere united states and europe um i just i just didn't travel to europe basically but yeah so i don't think it was better i don't think it was worse i just think it depends on where you are because a lot i've raced with a lot of european riders here but i'm not saying that that it makes sense like for men cycling in the years that i've raced I mean, you would go to Kermises, for instance, in Europe. That was mm-hmm. a very hard type of racing. That was like your your entry to, you know, racing in Europe. And but there was only men. I don't. There was no women in the peloton. Right. And I don't remember like also a women's like after we went or before we went. There wasn't a women's version of it. Yeah. So like I don't know that Europe is actually has better racing. Uh, for women. For women. For women, no. Yeah. So in America, we you might have actually this is where you want to be a pro is in America for road yeah absolutely yeah mountain biking is different for road racing i am not sure that european women i'm not saying there's there aren't any amazing european women racers but i'm not sure that as far as uh, access to to the sport it might be better in america than it is in europe i don't know if i'd agree with that actually um i just think it's like cross racers from the best ones yeah you're asking the wrong person there are a lot european ones cyclocross mm-hmm. was different cyclocross there was always mirror, women too it should mirror road but i'm not like i'm, I'm not, not i don't remember any thing, but mirroring it so in the 2000 i don't remember any of the tours having women's option for no, that they no they did not so america american racing has been uh they've had more fields and more opportunities for yeah. racing they didn't pay as well but peep, I feel like a lot of women <clears throat> that started racing in Europe, <clears throat> started their career in Europe, were actually faster for s- and just... Maybe because they were training with men, just like you did, and right. the, the, the talent that they had around yeah. them was just <clears throat> massively different. Right? Yeah, like Ina Thunberg was, she was racing with men. Yeah. The whole time, and that woman is in... Like, I, we raced at Merco stage races, a four-day stage race in California, and... Uh, it was towards the end of her career after she had like uh, TBIs and um, tra- traumatic brain injuries and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And this woman, <clears throat> she went around. She went back to the uh, the follow car and she got all the bottles and handed it out. And then she won the sprint. She's just incredible. And then I did a photo shoot with her and uh, and a few other women, obviously like Allison Tetrick for Specialized. And we were riding in the like the Seven Sisters of California. And Eden Tutenberg hadn't actually raced or truly ridden her bike for at least a couple years due to her injuries and she we were climbing up this hill this mountain right it was like a four mile climb and she i was kind of lagging and she came up and she just put her hand on me and just give you a little push me push not just a little push just the one that feels good she pushed me all the way up the hill and she was talking the whole time while i was dying and i'm like oh my god who the hell are you (laughs) you're like superhuman it's unbelievable so there's so i wasn't she was at a different level and but you know ina tunberg if you look her up she won yeah so again but but again i again i i made an assumption that european but i think that actually american racing is probably was the best place to race for women oh yeah because opportunities there were more races like basically every race of men that i have for men they have for women including the lower levels yeah right there and there are levels here by the way in europe there's not a lot of levels 
It's just pro. You're pro. You're pro. You're either holding on you're or you're club. not. You're club yeah. or you're pro. Yeah, you're no, it's really like you were talking about like this old man strength or like muscle memory. Like you go in a kermis and there'll be like 50 year olds around you with like this like beer guts. Yeah. Like full on beer guts and they skin legs. And they can hammer. Oh my God, to hammer your head off. And then you're, <laughs> you you talk to them at the end of the race like, oh, you know, you're like 17 years old, just you know your getting eyes are hit him yeah. and like oh oh yeah by the way i've done the tour de france like eight times i was riding for coffee dees and blah 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 and now i just i have a bike shop here and, and i like last drink week i beer. was in spin class getting hit by cougars no this was before <laughs> this is pre-cougar spin class stuff do um, i know them do i know them the what the cougars I'm kidding no it's I don't, I don't know them either it's it's anyway uh Okay, so wait, so you're you're like you're like gasoline. You burn quickly and fast. So you went from not riding a bike to be a pro to quit being a pro all in a like a timeline of six, six years. Six years. That's amazing. That's, that, that's a rocket ride. <laughs> that's a rocket, rocket ride. ride. <laughs> Spinning pro, paid pro. <laughs> done yeah. yeah that is amazing that's pretty amazing is it <laughs> yeah it is it's amazing. actually that's very that's it's a very awesome. that's extremely rare you know why because you got the full feel of it right but you mm-hmm. didn't do it long enough where it ruined you <laughs> yeah you it's know, you hard did work for you, you also left work. like you left happy not burned from did it you? yeah no i was i was it sounds like she's I she's talked totally about it in a nice, into it yeah yeah no were you happy to leave no, no, See? I was uh, it's like the Beatles. She left at the top, man. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah, but not happily leaving at the top. Well, it was a transition because I started working a corporate job, mm-hmm. you know, and I moved. I was in just just like not working and riding bikes all day. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> you know, I was the spokesperson for the Amgen, so I got interviewed a lot by newscasters and stuff like that. And then I came to Oregon. I was like, oh god, you know, I'm now I'm sitting at a desk, and it was it was a huge transition actually, mm-hmm. which I. I think I've told you this, Nathan, but I, I attribute, like, I get how celebrities struggle because they're known for um, their talent and what mm-hmm. they do. Um, and then, but really at the end of the day, we are not what we do. And when they go home, they're not doing their thing. They're just alone. They're by themselves. They're who they really are with their, their soul. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, when you aren't getting this recognition and people are like, oh my God, Heather, can I get your signature? Blah, blah, blah. And nobody knows me as a, like a pro racer in Oregon. And I'm just some corporate schmuck. Like I lost my identity yes. and I struggled with that. Like I, I really struggled through that. By the way, that is uh, the best show ever made. Sopranos is just about that. Is it? Yeah. Sopranos is all about like, I am like a Being god a for my people. Yep powerful mm-hmm. all powerful almighty but yeah. at home my kids will step on my head yeah and poop on my f- like you're still a human like at right. home right like there's yes. you're still a human in in a costume of this all powerful yeah. almighty mm-hmm. you know whatever it is x yep like a murderer totally. <laughs> right whatever you <laughs> do your kids, your kids don't care no you know when you go to sleep like those people aren't no. there like you're no. just left with yourself and so you, yeah it's good it's yeah, that's that's a journey for sure. Yeah, so that's that's a human that's a human journey. Yeah, right. Important to for people to talk about, I think, yeah. because people struggle. Of course. Um, well, okay, that's it because she's done being a pro. We can go home. I'm done. <laughs> I'm washed up. Let's roll out. <laughs> 
No, but well, seriously, it, that's, I, a, that's a fierce fire that burned into that pro status, and then it sounds like exiting it pretty fast too. Yeah, yeah. actually, I never thought about it like that, but yeah, I like, it, yeah. I mean, li- life happens, right? I mean, the, the, she left it because life happened. Well, yeah, I mean, but but she went from being a casual cyclist, more or less, but here's the thing. spirit to like pro cyclist. But now she years, is the one. But she is the one now that has that all muscle memory. Well, yeah. And I'm sure she rides with people right now and they're like, how the, what the hell? And the reason is because you just, it's, it's yeah. inertia. Yeah, no, that's true. There's actually. a lot of inertia. You now have also a lot of um, uh, confidence on the bike, right? It's not foreign to you. Whenever you ride, it's like it just, it's like riding a bike. There's always another front. <clears throat> but experience. Too. She also has now like this built up experience that she can look back at and that experience become... I think enhanced with time. Like suddenly you take a, a moment that you might have not thought about before and you can make it like a, a path, if it makes sense. Like learning from it much better than you have at the time that it happened. Yeah, I think, I don't know. For me, the lesson has been. Um, bikes is fun. Bikes are so fun. And the thing about bikes is you're present. For me, anyway, it's just like my balance in life mm-hmm. you know it's it's where i i literally can ride a bike better than i can walk yeah um li- i'm not joking about that I'm no not, I'm not, not i think both yeah, that no. this room is is same yeah. thing i find walking to be Maybe horrible room, though i think what? riding a bike through a room would be harder no but i mean the three of us i think you could do it. i think you'd ride I a bike up a it, wall I, sure I if <laughs> i was a lot i would ride my bike everywhere versus walking oh yeah absolutely There's walking definitely sucks. stuff i've walking ridden my bike down that slow. i can't yeah. No, Walk no, but down. it's not about that. It's about like <laughs> yes, like, can't. like even walking from the to Picaro. Like if there was a bike path to Picaro, I would ride there yep. versus walk there. Yep. Even though it's across the street, <laughs> I find <laughs> walking to be very like I prefer running than would walking. Would you call on your order the same way? Yes. Do you want to tell people how I order my food? Oh, Have God. we not said this before? No. Oh, it's really good. I can imagine he's very so detail oriented. He, he goes to the same place every. Every every day, mm-hmm. calls in his order at the same time every day. Every day, every day, every day. Like, like, I mean, work, work. like it's work. work. It's so work only. he got to the point where he would just call the number for Picaro and go, eh. yes, yes, and they'd say, okay, it's ten minutes, correct. Literally, no, uh. no introductions, just nah. Like okay, ten minutes, <laughs> have it ready for you. Yes, <laughs> they know who he is. The I order, the whole thing, like that's like how we're in some, regular like, third world, he is. like we're in freaking Iceland or something. Just like, a grunt. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, done. Actually, she always asks the same thing. She asks me if I'm by myself or with my wife. You should establish like a eh, eh. Today I said yes. What, didn't, what didn't did that mean? Ah. Well, that she mean? just called and she says just for you because they can see my number. So she said, just for you. And I just said, yes. Oh, so. And then that's it. Hang up. And so the whole okay. order takes 10 seconds. So there was a word used. Yes. I love it. Didn't do uh, Yeah. That, <laughs> anyway. that was a special time. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. What's going to happen if they change their staff? I'm going to do the next podcast and I'm going to be interviewing you. <laughs> Me? No, I'm not interesting. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, you I'm, both are interesting. I'm going to do two podcasts and interview you guys. Yeah, you start your own podcast and if you want to interview right. us. Oh, I am. That's not a, yeah, I am. <laughs> um, Heather. Thank here's, you. Here's Thank the you. fun part about this. Just like you finished your pro cycling, 
<laughs> we are leaving this with room to ask more questions. Yeah. Right? So we dug into one aspect of, of you, and there's going to be more. Maybe next time you come there into town. There could still be a sprint yeah. finish out because there Because I think, somewhere. actually, here's the thing to learn from you also, is I want to know about, like, how you move through the corporate, you know, ladder. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, I could, yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot there for yeah. sure. Yeah, and then also there's a lot there with also how to maintain like because cycling for a lot of us is a mental thing right we mm. do it because we it's good for our brain so it's, how, me- it's medicine I, w- yeah. I wouldn't be here so how do you so how do you keep that balance between keeping the the head in the right spot with cycling and work life and so there's a whole podcast to yes. make there see that there's a whole i will not even talk about it there's a whole there is a whole podcast thank you everyone there we go Say thank, thank you. you thank you thank you all right bye all right